Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a fantastic show in store for you today. Joining us is the playwright Donald Olson, who has written an incredible work called Transition, the Christine Jorgensen Collection. It is having a one-show-only virtual reading on November 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, and you are not going to want to miss this show. It's an incredible uh, show, an incredible story. Uh, So, Donald, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Andrew. It's been delight. It's delightful to be here in New York, even. Yes. On the same coast. So we've been talking a little bit already, and I want to just jump right into this and kind of throw it over to you because this show is amazing. The story is incredible. Could you tell us a little bit about the show? We're doing the full title. Let me give you some information about what that title means, because some people say, what the hell is the Christine Jorgensen collection? Transition is sort of understandable. Every character, there are four four actors, four, four roles, four, four characters. They all go through a transi- transition in this play from Act 1 to Act 2. I won't tell you what the transitions are, but they're pretty major. The Christine Jorgensen collection. Well, first of all, do you think everyone knows who Christine Jorgensen was? Should I should I tell them? <laughs> um, is this the uh, the the per uh, in the in the synopsis I read about the person that goes to Denmark? Yes, Christine okay. Jorgensen was the first internationally known trans celebrity personality entertainer. She went to Denmark. She had her sex reassigned in 1952. Wow. This was this was before anyone knew about how to do it. She she basically pioneered this whole thing. When she came back to New York, she was born in the Bronx. When she came back to New York in 1953, a story had been leaked about her uh, in the Daily News, and the headline was, you know, XGI because she'd been a GI. XGI becomes blonde beauty. And as a result of this story, this is what the force the media had back then, Christine Jorgensen became the most famous woman in the world. She shared the headlines of all the papers with, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, our president at the time, and and, uh, the Korean War. She she was absolutely mobbed. I mean, people just couldn't get enough of her because she represented something that people were curious about, but they'd never encountered before, at least in terms of mass media coverage, right? So um, she came back in 1953. And I'll mention here, I've written two plays about Christine Jorgensen. The first one was called Transformation, the Christine Jorgensen Show. And we had our first performance of that at the wonderful National Arts Club here in New York back in March. And in that show, Christine is very young. She's 27. She's just returned. She's put in touch. uh, Well, a a talent agent. She's the most famous person in the world, but she doesn't know how to make a living. So uh, a talent scout sort of puts her in touch with a vaudeville era song and dance man named Miles Bell, who was played by Mark Nadler, most incredibly brilliant cabaret artist on face of the earth. I wrote the show for Mark, really. And uh, Miles Bell helps Christine develop a nightclub act, which in the 1950s and early 60s became one of the most successful nightclub acts in America. It was it was 
amazing. So that was the first show. That was a musical set in 1953. And I wrote the songs and the book and the lyrics. And uh, we had a fantastic reading uh, performance at the National Arts Club. So this play takes place at the end of Christine Jorgensen's life, Transition, Christine Jorgensen Collection. So at the end of her life, the Royal Library of Denmark asked Christine Jorgensen to give them her archives. She had become something of a, a legend over there, an icon, because that's where she had had her sexual reassignment surgery. And uh, they wanted her all of her papers to create the Christine Jorgensen collection at the Royal Library in Denmark. So that's, you know, like the subtitle of the show, the Christine Jorgensen collection. But also the Christine Jorgensen collection is all of the people, the fantastically interesting people that she collected around her. So three of those people are the other characters uh, in the play besides Christine. And that's what the Christine Jorgensen collection is about. Her archive are going to, you know, uh, she's shipping everything off. She's shipping her entire life, all of her documents, all of her playbills, all of her matchbooks, all of her, you know, magazine articles, her two recordings, all of that stuff. She's shipping it off to, to Denmark for this um, uh, new collection that they're going to open with a big gala. And uh, so, of course, uh, it, it spurs a lot of recollections about her life and so on. But she's also very ill at this time. She's uh, 62 years old and her career has spanned 35 years. So she's been an entertainer. She was she started out as a documentary filmmaker. She's been a college lecturer. She's been a best-selling writer. Her autobiography came out in 1967. And a movie was made about her life in 1970, a terrible movie, uh, but it was made in 1970. So by this time in the early 1980s, um, well, actually it's about 1987, that stuff is dried up. You know, she's no longer asked to come on to talk shows really. And she's she doesn't have any work as a college lecturer and she's ill. And so two amazing trans women. And that's what this play is about, how they helped her who they were, their interpersonal relationships. And then also there is a, um, a gay character named Stanton Barr, who was Christine's oldest friend from Long Island, which is where, you know, where they met. And so it's those four characters who, who are the actors in, or the characters in Transition, the Christine Jorgensen collection. I don't know. Is that clear? <laughs> yes. Yes. That yeah, is perfect. amazing. And oh my gosh, what a story. It is. An, it's an amazing story. And to me, uh, it's a story that really needs to be told because Christine Jorgensen was a pioneer in the LGBTQ community. Uh, younger trans people maybe not, maybe don't even know who she was by now because, you know, her celebrity, her, her the zenith of her celebrity was in the 1950s. But she really paved the way in so many ways. She was an incredibly articulate spokesperson. She was charming, she was entertaining, she was beautiful, and uh, people couldn't get enough of her, you know, for, for you know, several years. And um, she stayed at the top of her game. And um, she was always, you know, she was on talk shows all the time. You can sort of, some, you know, you can Google some of these and see her on these talk shows. And she was a wonderfully articulate, and intelligent and funny 
spokesperson. She never backed down. She was always honest. Um, and I think people really appreciated her honesty. That's not to say she didn't have some real, you know, issues with, you know, right-wing people and so on. But overall, which, which is kind of amazing to me, she was very much accepted in the 1950s, which we tend to think of as a terribly held back, repressed era. And of course it was, but people were more civil then too, I think, you know? So, and, and nightclub culture was part of our life back then. That's why I wrote the first show, um, Transformation. But she really became known. She was on all the talk shows, except Johnny Carson, he wouldn't have her on. And she just paved the way for so many, for so many trans issues and people who would write to her. She got thousands of letters, you know, over the years. And that's part of the play too, because she packing up all of these thousands of letters that she received, including from these three other characters at various points in their life. You know, she really was a kind of vanguard and um, she was someone that people really looked up to. And people who, trans who, trans people who didn't, um, who thought they were all alone in the world, they suddenly had a celebrity. They had someone that they could, you know, look up to, they could write to, uh, whom they assumed, you know, understood them, understood their stories and knew what they were going through. So she was a really important person. And I think it's really important to honor her and honor her memory and all that she achieved because she achieved a hell of a lot. And a lot of people, I mean, people who are older remember Christine Jorgensen. It's interesting. I've met a couple of people now uh, as a result of these shows who say, you know, I met Christine Jorgensen. I met her in Laguna Beach, which is where wow. she lived for a long time. Or um, I saw her in her show at Freddy's here in New York, you know, which she, her last show she did in the 1980s. So um, she's still, she's still in some people's minds, but I want to, I want to make other people aware of who she was and her accomplishments because they were many, they were legion, they were wonderful. How did you come up with the idea for this show? Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, um, I was aware of Christine Jorgensen at a pretty young period in my life um, because her autobiography came out in 1967. And uh, there was a lot of press about that at the time. And she, you know, as a young gay guy, um, she made a lot of us kind of nervous because we didn't know what the heck was going on here. Did we have to become women? Did we, you know, we didn't know. We didn't. It was all new material. It was all, it was a new life. So um, COVID, which was so horrible, I'm not going to, you know, underplay the, the horrors of COVID, but for me, it was a very creative time. And during that period, during the lockdown, during the pandemic, I just became kind of reinterested in Christine Jorgensen and um, started to do my research, which I do for all of my plays assiduously. And um, I thought, my God, this is incredible material and an incredible character. And nobody has, you know, really written a play about her. So the first one I wrote was my musical, Transformation, the Christine Jorgensen show. I wrote eight songs and we did that at the National Arts Club in, in March. It was wonderful. That's Christine very young. Transition, I thought, you know, I haven't said everything there is to say about Christine Jorgensen. I wanted to sort of give an overview of her life and her accomplishments since the first play. And so this was an opportunity to do that because uh, at the end of her life, she was cared for by two uh, really amazing trans women. 
And um, I just wanted to honor all of these people because we're going through such amazing transphobia in, uh, in America right now. And they all did remarkable things. They were generous people. They contributed mightily to AIDS research, to trans uh, visibility, to gender identification on forms of identification. They did amazing things. And so these characters just sort of came together uh, in my head. And um, I knew also of Stanton Barr, who was uh, Christine's uh, oldest and dearest friend. He's a, he was a gay guy from Long Island. And so these four characters uh, sort of congregated in Christine Jorgensen's life towards the end of her life. And they, I don't want to say the play wrote itself. It doesn't, it didn't. They spurred me on in, um, in many, many unusual ways to create this, this play about the end of her life and um, the people who were involved in her life. And then Transformation Theater, and by the way, if people want tickets, they should go to transformationtheater.org, and there's a button there that they can click uh, for tickets, and it'll take them to the site where they can get tickets. And it's pay what you can. It's a $5 minimum. We want everyone uh, who can possibly see this show and might love it you know, to be there on Sunday uh, at 5 p.m. So Transformation Theater decided that they wanted to do a virtual reading of this play, and we assembled a, an amazing cast, <laughs> no, no easy task. And so we've been rehearsing and uh, we have, we, you know, it will be recorded and people will be able to see the absolute first reading of this play in any format, anywhere in the world uh, on Sunday, November 20th, which is National Trans Remembrance Day. So it's a, it's a nice way to um, have the show promoted on that particular day. like the answer to this is obvious but i want to ask this anyway what's the message or thought that you're hoping audiences will take away from the show i'm hoping that audiences will see that trans folk are real people mm-hmm. they're not insane people they are remarkable people in many ways they are caring and loving people they do what they can to help humanity uh, at least I'm talking about the characters in my play, right? And I also want them to take away some sense of the history here. Um, Christine Jorgensen's zenith, or most famous period, was in the 1950s. And we always associate the 1950s with a very repressed, you know, Eisenhower and Korean War and, you know, the Lavender Menace and all that was, and it was true. That was all there. People did not talk about these things. Christine Jorgensen in the 1950s talked about this. She said, she called herself a transsexual. Now we would say transgender, but at the time she called herself a transsexual. So I want people to be aware that there is this history of trans life that goes back, I mean, it goes back beyond Christine Jorgensen as well to the 1920s, but she was uh, the first major international trans celebrity personality entertainer. 
So I want people to take away some sense of the history uh, behind this uh, rather remarkable personality who did so much for the trans community and the LGBTQ community in general. Now, this is a virtual reading, so I'm assuming that this has also been uh, being rehearsed virtually. Um, what has it been like developing the show in that capacity? It's been a wonderful experience. I think everyone has really enjoyed this experience. You know, you have limitations when you're doing a show like this. You have technical limitations. You have audio limitations. You know, not every not everyone is in the same has the same kind of computer. Not everyone has the same kind of, you know, sound. So there are a lot of checks and balances that you have to, uh, you have to work out. And, and we're doing this with very minimal uh, props and so on. It's been wonderful because what I have taken away from it is that the characters really come alive. The actors really understand the characters. The difficult part is to not be in a theater rehearsing this to not be in the same room so that you can interact in ways that you simply can't when you're uh, doing a virtual reading on, um, you know, on Zoom or another platform like that. So it presents its challenges, but in terms of presenting the story, which is what we want to do, um, I think the story will come through loud and clear. That's fantastic. And, and it is a powerful story as you've been, explaining and i think it's a powerful story i think it's an incredibly powerful story i would hope that you know from from this point on uh we can take it to the next step uh this is the theater andrew you know we never know <laughs> what's going to come next or if anything's going to come next that's the thrill but, of it all right <laughs> i suppose we could say that's the thrill of it all maybe it's the bullshit of it all i don't know we would <laughs> we would like to move this show on but this is the first iteration of the play. This is the first time anyone will hear this play being read by professional actors. And that to me is a thrilling experience. Exciting. Yeah, it is. So wrapping up the first part of the, our interview, who do you hope have access to this show? Well, we, as I said, we want everyone to have access to this show because it's a pay as pay what you can Admission, the tickets start, you know, you have to pay a, ma a minimum of $5. You can contribute more to Transformation Theater. You can pay more for your ticket if you wish, but you only have to really pay $5, pay what you can. So we want to have the widest possible audience we possibly can. Transformation Theater has been, uh, you know, promoting the show uh, on their website and on their mailing list and so on. I've been doing that personally. I think everyone in the cast has been doing that. So really, for anyone who's interested, remember, Transformation Theater, that's theater with an R-E. We love that. TransformationTheater.org. They just go to that site. There's a button that says tickets. Click. It takes you to right to the spot where you can buy the tickets, and then you will get a link to the reading on Sunday uh, at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, 2 p.m. on the West Coast. And I'm hoping that we'll have younger people. I want younger people to be involved, to, to, to see this show. Uh, there are a lot of people who remember Christine Jorgensen, who know Christine Jorgensen's name, but they're never, often they're not quite sure. They can't quite remember. Well, it sounds familiar, you know, who, who was she, you know? So this will tell them who she was, I'll tell you that. But we, I, I would personally love to have a younger, a younger audience uh, involved in the, in watching this as well, because I think LGBTQ uh, history has been, you know, erased, defaced, you know, ignored, 
for so long. And there are some remarkable personalities whose stories should be out there and should be told. And I think Christine Jorgensen is one of them. show we not only talk about um the shows obviously but we also talk about um our personal history in the theater our attachment to the theater and i'd like to give our audience uh, a a chance to get to know you a little bit better and i want to start by asking um what shows or playwrights or composers in the past have inspired you or do you love i love a lot of (laughs) plays and playwrights i you know, I always go to the theater hoping I'm going to love the play that I'm going to see. It doesn't always happen, but I always go in with an, you know, an optimistic uh, attitude. So let me back up a minute. When I was a kid, the Guthrie Theater opened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is where I grew up. And the Guthrie Theater was the first regional theater in America. And Sir Tyrone Guthrie came over to direct, to be the artistic director of this theater. And as school kids, we were bussed in to see some of the greatest plays ever written. Now, we saw The House of Atreus. We saw A Streetcar Named Desire. We saw uh, The Skin of of Your Teeth. We saw all the Shakespeare. I didn't know what the hell I was seeing. I was, you know, I was like, I I was a kid. All I knew was I loved it. I loved it so much. That's why I'm writing for the theater today. In terms of favorite playwrights, I love the classics and I love Ibsen. Uh, I really love Ibsen a lot. Uh, I love Thornton Wilder. In fact, his Our Town, I consider to be one of the greatest plays ever written. I wrote a version of that. uh, People can see that on my website called Your Town, not Our Town, Your Town, which is a kind of modern uh, reinterpretation of what Our Town would be today. That recent performance uh, uh, production of The Skin of Our Teeth at Lincoln Center was, oh, I'm I loved seeing that. It was just, it was so great. So I love all kinds of things. You know, recently new things, what uh, I was, we were talking earlier about this little play, this adaptation of Camus' The Fall, which is playing down at uh, Soho Playhouse, the Lehman Trilogy. Oh my God, how wonderful. A truly memorable show in the past few years, The Gin Game with uh, Cicely Tyson and James Earl Jones. Oh my God. Uh, little plays like... Um, an argument for the existence of God, all kinds of, uh, this is why we love New York. These, these things crop up. You Sometimes you just learn about them from word of mouth. Sometimes they're reviewed in the Times. Uh, and you have this opportunity when you're in New York to go and experience live theater. And I'm sorry, live theater is what it's all about. It's about the audience and the actors interacting, exchanging energy, the actors telling the story, the audience listening and understanding or, you know, being changed by the story. Live theater gives us something that no other art form does, I think. You know, I have, I've written a lot of historical plays. I wrote a play about Oscar Wilde and when he came to New York to visit Walt Whitman, his literary hero, he came, Oscar Wilde came here um, in 1882 on his first lecture tour. I wrote a play called Oscar and Walt, which has done quite well. And, you know, I say quite well, but the pandemic, 
you know, shut down a lot of doors and closed a lot of theaters and a lot of things were dark for a long time. Oscar and Walt was on a trajectory, which, you know, got blindsided by the pandemic. However, you know, it won a major award. It had a premiere in Rome, Italy. It had a fabulous con uh, performance uh, production in uh, Pittsburgh with the uh, Kinetic Theater Company last November. So that's another historical drama. I love those kinds of things. I've, I've done a lot of them. And that's, you know, Oscar Wilde and Walter Walt Whitman meeting and talking. All right. They have an hour. They have an hour and a half to talk. So as the playwright, your challenge is, what did they say? <laughs> you know, what did they say? You have to know everything that was going on in their lives at the time. And you have to dramatize it. And you have to make them say things that they probably you know, didn't say in real life, but you have to make a drama out of it. I love historical dramas. Um, I love, I love musicals. You know, I grew up with, you know, my mother taking me to Rodgers and Hammerstein's, you know, The King and I and things like that in the theaters. I was just a child, but I just absolutely loved them. So things like that. I loved um, Natasha and Pierre. Was is that what the time? The Great Common of 1812. Yeah. Oh God, what a wonderful show. And, and uh, even, you know, even Sunset Boulevard, when I first heard it, I didn't like it very much, but I saw Glenn Close do it. Wow. <laughs> it was yeah. Great. It was just great. And then Kelly O'Hara, you know, doing uh, South Pacific at Lincoln Center and things like that. I love those big musicals. I really do. So all I'm saying is my tastes, my cultural tastes run the gamut because I also love classical music. I love opera. I love dance. Not so much, but I'm an aficionado of all of these art forms. Um, I always have been. They give me great joy. They give me great pleasure. They give me great satisfaction. I feel uh, this is why I moved to New York, you know, to be able to participate or to, to, you know, to be in the audience, to see these things, yeah, all kinds of things. I mean, Shakespeare, you know, all of it, all, all of it. I love all of it. <laughs> I really do. Sometimes I go to a play and I think, eh, you know, that wasn't so great. Some of those reinterpretations give me pause, you know, the Glenda Jackson, King Lear, uh, you know, I had some real problems with that. The uh, recent um, Glass Menagerie, I had some problems with that. I don't necessarily like the fact that directors can come in and reinterpret classics to their own kind of um, style and taste. But I'm always willing to give it a, a go and to, you know, see what they come up with. And if it's relevant and it makes sense, fine. But if it doesn't, then, you know, I don't like it. <laughs> this is a good segue, though, into my next one, which is what's your favorite part about working in the theater? It's simply working with actors. It's the energy. It's the it's the joy. You know, actors, they often get a bum rap, as you probably know. But actors can be just so much fun to work with. They're so bright. There's just a wonderful camaraderie. Not always. You know, I've had issues with actors, you know, all that sort of stuff. But overall, I just love that relationship that develops. And as the playwright, you know, it's kind of amazing because you hear your work coming alive. You hear your work, which you wrote in a room by yourself, <laughs> quietly, coming alive. And that is one of the most thrilling experiences that any writer can have. So I just love that whole process. And then, um, well, for instance, just the production of Oscar and Walt, to walk into a theater and see the set that I had described completely created. I mean, it was and the lighting and the costumes and the 
I mean, it was just, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So that's the part of, of um, working in the theater that I really love. I just love the, you know, the overall ambiance. I love being with the actors. I love watching the production come together. I love working with the director, as long as the director listens to me, <laughs> which they don't do. But those are the things that keep me writing plays. And we'll con I'll continue to write plays. I've got some fantastic ideas. I just need the time, you know, to sit down and do them now. Well, this leads me to my favorite question to ask uh, my guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, gosh. Well, if I, as I said, I grew up with, uh, going to the Guthrie uh, as a school kid. So we saw actors like Jessica Tandy, oh, Hugh Cronin, wow. Len Cariou. All of those people worked there at the, at the Guthrie. And that was pretty damn thrilling because even though I didn't know what the hell I was seeing, I had some sense that these were fantastic actors. Another really wonderful um, memory is seeing the gin game recently with Cicely Tyson and James Earl Jones. It was an amazing performance from both of them. It was, it was just, you know, it made me tear up. It was just so wonderfully done. What else? The Lehman Brothers trilogy. I was glued to my seat. Oh, all kinds of things. I mean, you know, uh, comedies. I love I love something as silly as Sylvia. You know, I thought that was really a very funny play. What um, an odd show, too. But it was, yeah, it's a fun show. Very odd show. Very, very odd show, but very, but very funny. My deepest theater memories, I think, are the Guthrie. Just because of time in my life. You know, before I was formed, basically, I was so young. But seeing that thrust stage and, and, and you know, they, they would, they would um, start every performance with like a, a fanfare, you know, with real trumpets and things outside. I mean, it was a real event. And you would walk in. It was this beautiful new theater, this wonderful thrust stage. And then these actors would come out and you would see, you know, the House of Atreus with Lynn Garu or, you know, Streetcar Named Desire with Jessica Tandy. I mean, it was just uh, unforgettable. It was just utterly unforgettable. That is incredible. I mean, well, if... what, a, what a nice thing to grow up with, because, you know, I'm not from a family of, of artists or, or cre particularly creative people. I'm not. So I have to give credit. I mean, this isn't done anymore, I don't think. But um, the public schools back then in Minneapolis were very um, culturally aware. And they took us to the symphony orchestra and they took us to the Guthrie Theater. And they introduced us to things that we would never otherwise have been have have had knowledge of or have gone to, you know, a kid growing up nowadays, you know, you wonder about, for instance, you know, I love the opera. Well, a person who's 16 or 17 years old, when they have, you know, $25 in their pocket and they say, what are we going to do on Friday night? They don't say, let's go to the opera. They don't know the opera. They don't know what's there. They don't know what it is. They don't know, you know, why it's important or was important. They don't know it as an art form. It's really important to try to keep kids aware of what's out there in terms of cultural opportunities and yes. cultural experiences. These are the things that form, if you're, if you're at all sensitive or, or, you know, not even if you're sensitive, it's just, it's just a form of enlargement, cultural enlargement. And we really need that now more than ever. We need to enlarge our cultural, you know, lexicon. People need to, you know, people need to stop 
staring at their screens constantly and go to the theater. Get in touch with your humanity. Get in touch with your humanity, baby. You know? Exactly. So are there any other productions or projects um, outside of Transition that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? <laughs> yes, but I don't have a date yet. So I just got word that Indiana, Indiana University at Bloomington has a, a virtual, it's not virtual, it's online live performance uh, uh, group called PlayZoomers, and they're going to do Oscar and Walt in 2023. I just got word about that. Amazing. And... Um, yeah, and we're just and we're and we're trying. I'm trying to figure out a way now so that we could do the two Christine Jorgensen shows back to back, like bookends. Do transformation the musical, the Christine Jorgensen show when she's 27, and then later in the day or the next day do transition the Christine Jorgensen collection. Kind of like so in repertory. Get- yeah, so you get this whole arc of her life, and um, I think that would be wonderful to do. That would be amazing. I, yeah, it would be amazing. So uh, these are things, you know, being a playwright is not the, <laughs> the easiest job in the world, and we all know money is involved, theaters are involved, producers are involved, you know, directors are involved, actors are involved, everyone's involved, but sometimes there's no involvement because, you know, you have to sell your show, and you have to get someone to put it on the boards and to make it real for you. So I'm always trying to do that. I'm working, I work on that all the time. And well, I think that next year we will see some, um, I'm trying to get Oscar and Walt in New York too. There's been some tentative interest in that. It's a great play. It's a three-hander. It's one set, you know, it's an easy play to produce, but you do have to have two, three fantastic actors. You have to have Walt Whitman, greatest poet of America, and you have to have Oscar Wilde, you know, you know, this witty 27-year-old, 28-year-old. Casting is part of all of this. And you have to, sometimes you go to people and you say, look, I've got a great idea. And this person would be fantastic as Walt Whitman, in this case, Sam Sutsovitz. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm always open to miracles. I'm always open to, you know, something's going to happen uh, next year. A door is going to open. I keep submitting work. I keep, you know, pounding on doors. I do everything that a playwright has to do. And, you know, the work is good. I'm happy with the work. I think that something will will um, materialize in 2023. And in the meantime, I'm really looking forward to transition on Sunday. I think it's going to be a wonderful introduction for people who have who have no idea or maybe who do know who Christine Jorgensen was, but they're going to be kind of blown away by this um, collection of, of people that she has around her and the story that's being told uh, through all of these characters. Uh, same here. I'm really excited for the show. Yeah. Same. And if our listeners want to get more information about transitions or about you, or they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, in er- in, in terms of the play transition, they just go to transformationtheater.org. They will find there all the information. They will find the cat uh, biographies of all the cast the director, me, all of that. And they will also have a button there where they can click and it'll take them to the area where they can buy tickets. In terms of my own, I have a website. If people want to reach out to me, uh, my website, it's being updated tonight. So for the day, Donald Stephen Olson, that's Stephen with a V, Olson, O-N. That's the Scandinavian form, not the Danish, it's the Swedish form, not the Danish form. Donald Stephen Olson, uh, dot com. 
And uh, that has, you know, all of my work, all of my upcoming work, uh, you know, coming events. It talks about the seven novels that I've written and had published. And it talks about the plays that I've written in the past. It talks about my two gardening books. It talks about the talks I give, you know, on garden topics. And, you know, they can just get a, an idea of who the hell I am. And they can contact me, you know, through the website if they wish to. Wonderful. Well, Donald, thank you so much for, for taking the time to sit down with me and tell me this incredible story. Tell me about this amazing show. I can't wait to see it and tune in on Sunday. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's been just a great pleasure talking to you here in New York. We're yes. both on the coast. I love it. My guest today has been playwright Donald Olson, whose new show, Transition, the Christine Jorgensen Collection, is having a one-time only reading on Sunday, November 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. You can get your tickets and more information at transformationtheater.org, and that's theater with an R-E. You can also see more information uh, about other works that Donald has done and upcoming projects by visiting his website, donaldstevenolson.com. And we're going to have all this information posted on the episode description as well as on our social media. Do not miss this show. This sounds incredible. It's an important and timely piece. So make sure that you tune in at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific and join us in watching this incredible reading. And send a comment if you wish or, you know, a question. There will be a talk back, a Q&A afterwards. So we'll be there and Mm -hmm. we'll be happy to answer your questions. Oh, that's exciting. Amazing. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap (laughs) your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Mela, Quantum Chaz, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.